Hi, I'm David Freudberg, the host of Humankind. I actually grew up in public radio. I've been in the field since I was 16. And from the start, I was taught to offer people content that will inform and enlighten. This podcast is dedicated to spreading ideas that speak to the highest part of our listeners rather than the lowest common denominator. If you like what you hear, we're asking for your help please leave us a kind review on iTunes so others can find us. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and supported by the Humankind Program Fund. The sad aspect of our healthcare system today is that Despite the fact that it is very, very expensive, despite the fact that we have heroic capabilities of being able to respond to various aspects of what we might consider medical emergencies, we do not have the ability to reverse disease once it has gotten beyond certain levels of causing damage. A physician and scientist warns of suffering and high cost when we overlook the importance of preventing illness. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. The decades-long effort to improve how Americans receive medical care pits our personal health against a formidable army of financial interests producing a loud political clash. Look at this bill. Ask yourself, do you really believe that if you like the health plan that you have that you can keep it? No, you can't. Thus far, the national debate has focused mainly on who will be covered and how exorbitant health care services will be paid for. Much less attention has been devoted to the quality of the actual medical encounter patients have when visiting a clinic. Is she going to poke me? The problem for the average patient is that you go to the doctor, there's going to be a series of medical tests taken, you really are reduced to a kind of mechanical object. Often it feels no warmer than an encounter with one's auto mechanic. And the doctor may be extremely skillful at being able to diagnose a problem and come up with uh, a helpful therapy. But what's missing if that's all that exists in that transaction? Well, what you describe is unfortunately uh, how medicine has evolved as part of the increased specialization of healthcare delivery. Physician Ralph Snyderman is former dean of the Duke University Medical School. When I started in the practice of medicine, let's say uh, early 70s, There were, at that time, uh, under a dozen recognized medical specialties. There are currently 130. When I was trained in the practice of medicine, we were trained that the responsibility of the physician was for the totality of the patient. 
Now, of course, we had less uh, technology, less capability, but we were totally responsible and involved. And how was that defined, the totality of the patient? That what we tried, even though I was uh, a rheumatologist uh, as well as an internist, if a patient with rheumatoid arthritis was my patient and they had other problems that were coincident, to the maximum degree, I took the responsibility to steer the individual through the healthcare system or to provide them with what they needed, equivalent to what they would get from the best specialist. A lot of it is a mindset. It's my responsibility for the individual. Now that we have so many specialties and they are so sharply defined, many physicians will only look, you know, they don't look at the patient, they look at the disease, and they look at the segment of the disease in which they are best trained. So what does the patient lose navigating through this maze of highly specialized compartments? There is no single person looking out for them. Uh, I do not know how a given individual, no, no matter how smart they are, will know for their particular problem which are the, the right specialists that need to see them for their particular problem. I remember uh, very dramatically about 10 years ago, um, a woman who was a CEO of a business had health care insurance, incredibly bright at the top of her game, uh, found out, was just diagnosed with breast cancer. And she called me up, she was living in Philadelphia, and she said, I was just diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, it totally shocked me, changed my life. The room was spinning around me. And th this is my dilemma right now. I have a uh, breast surgeon, but I know I'm going to need somebody to deal with my chemotherapy. I need a, an oncologist, and I need somebody for radiation therapy. I need a radiation oncologist. Where do I go? You know, how do I pull these things together? It is inhumane and it is bad medicine for us to put the responsibility on the part of the individual particularly, to navigate. Particularly somebody who's just been heaped upon with exactly. this massive life-threatening announcement. That's right. You've got cancer. That's right. It is it's bad medicine and it's inhumane. So there needs to be a central individual that forms a partnership with the patient going through a problem over time that supersedes the individual specialist but is with them over time to be able to guide them through the system. And what I am very sorry to say is that with the complexity and the specialization and uh, the way we train and practice and reimburse physicians, we have forced the dissociation of the healthcare system away from a central individual that truly could help the patient navigate. So how much of this is driven by the finance as opposed to the way in which medical science has evolved? I think it's, it's heavily driven uh, by the financing because physicians tend to be enamored to go into specialties in which the pay is the best and, and the amount of work is the least. I hate to say this about my own profession, and, and I am one of them, and I see it with my eyes all the time. I think physicians are good people who want to do good things, but it's, it, it's not unexpected that a physician will go into a specialty where with a more con, uh, controlled schedule, they will be able to do really good things in the areas in which they're practicing and have a life, as opposed to somebody 
who will be making one-fifth the amount by dealing with people hands-on, uh, suffering with them, mentoring them, and getting paid much, much, much less. So uh, what I saw as dean of Duke Medical School was that 90% of our students, even though we accepted them because they said they truly wanted to practice humanistic medicine, 90% would go into these highly defined subspecialties that were involved in a lot of procedures which give the greatest reimbursement. You're concerned that today's medical reliance on technology where these procedures are used encroaches on the human dimension that may shortchange the patient. So where is the balance point between the medical technology that we brag about in America because in some cases it is truly amazing and the human connection that's essential to really healing a person. Yes. I personally, I feel this very strongly. I, I don't believe this is an either or. I think it has to be both. I think science, technology, research will solve tremendous problems. It, it is teaching us so much about the development of disease, susceptibility of disease. It is informing good medicine in ways that I could not have imagined 10, 20 years ago. I would be the last person to try to minimize the impact of technology. What I'm saying is it needs to be appropriately embedded into a system in which the intimate first step is the bond between the patient and a caregiver. Usually it'll be a physician, but it doesn't necessarily need to be a physician. It could be somebody that represents the, the provider or the physician. And I think from, from that interaction, that partnership, reaching out into appropriate use of technology is good. Uh, but I think it's the way the system is right now, there's really no front door in which the patient walks in and has somebody that is representing them over time in the maximum way to help them steer through all these complex intersections in getting the appropriate technology and the appropriate specialist. And so how do you see the role of this intermediary who will shuttle people to the various doorways they need to enter? The way I visualize uh, healthcare is that it, it has to be what we call continuity of care or care delivered over time. And I think there needs to be a relationship between an individual and either a primary care physician or a mentor, a health care coach, to steer them over time to allow them to get the kind of health care that they need. But shouldn't that be the role of the doctor? I think it can be the role of the doctor. But it has to be the doctor within a health care system that values that intimate interaction between the individual and their primary care physician as something of great value uh, that is not demeaned by how these people get paid, uh, making it impossible for them to be able to spend the time that they need with their patients. Why are the doctors so busy? The doctors are so busy in many ways because of the reimbursement system. The reimbursement system is a fee-for-service system. 
in which doctors get paid for the delivery of widgets. Some widgets uh, get paid $10 for 10 minutes. Others may be paid $500 for 10 minutes, depending on the complexity, so-called complexity of what they're delivering. Complexity might be that if somebody put a stent into a coronary artery, that's a very complex procedure. You get paid an awful lot. If you and I are talking like this, uh, really getting into a discussion in which, if I were your physician, might be talking to you about how you might modify your diet, your exercise, your stress, I get paid virtually nothing. So in order for me to make a living, if I'm a primary care physician, I need to see 10 of you in one hour. Uh, and that's, that's a problem, because if I'm seeing 10 of you in one hour, I, I have barely have time to listen to you. So can a doctor seeing 10 patients in an hour, an average of six minutes per visit, which is not far from what's it's really happening, reality. can a doctor really treat a patient properly? No. My own personal belief is that that is a flawed, failed system. We need to move away from it. Not the fault of the physicians. It's not the fault of the physician. It is the imposition on the physician in order for them to ply their trade. Physicians don't want it to be that way. Physicians are getting tired and frustrated. We're talking with Dr. Ralph Snyderman, former Chancellor of Health Affairs and Dean of the School of Medicine at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina. He is also founder and chairman of Proventus, a healthcare technology company. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. For more information on this segment, Practicing Prevention, check our website, humanmedia.org. practice of medicine emphasizes a kind of breakdown and repair system in which the physician reacts to symptoms and tries to find and fix a person's illness. That's how most of us experience health care. Why do you see problems with that system? I think that that system has many problems. Uh, one problem is that individuals don't go to the healthcare system, don't think about health until they're ill. Once an illness has occurred, uh, it could be assumed that generally the problem has gone on for a substantial period of time for most chronic uh, diseases, for diseases that are not easily cured. Once the patient notices Once the, patient the problem, notices the, symptoms, a problem the, pain. the way disease develops is that all diseases develop over time. Some may develop over several days, common cold. Others may develop over 20 or 30 years, that is, coronary artery disease. But nonetheless, they develop over time. If you wait until a symptom occurs, that's very late in the development of the disease, particularly for those what we call chronic diseases, such as heart disease would be very common, or diabetes, or various other neurological diseases are chronic diseases. They account for most of our 
health care problems and health care expenses. The problem is treating an episode of a disease when it is late in the disease is less likely to cause full remission, in other words, to, to cause a cure, and is very expensive. And sometimes, if we think about coronary artery disease, the first event could be a heart attack leading to death. When one has had this problem going on for 10 or 20 years without having any attention. And could you just give us a general explanation for why it is that the later into the development of an illness, the harder it is to produce a full remission, a cure? The reason is that by disease, we mean what we see as either a, a patient or a physician as the manifestations of what that is. Diabetes, when we say what is diabetes, uh, diabetes is when the patient starts experiencing some of the very severe side effects of diabetes. Some of them may be related to the blood flow to their limbs, it may be related to their vision, it may be uh, related to pain in all their extremities, it may be related to the development of unconsciousness. There are a lot of symptoms associated with diabetes. But the disease is something that has been occurring within the body usually for many, many years. So by the time the appearance of the disease occurs, the symptoms have occurred, there are often changes that are already irreversible. In other words, we could treat the symptoms, but the underlying cause has been something that has been developing for months to years to sometimes decades. And with these chronic diseases, is that mostly what mainstream medicine is doing, treating the symptoms without getting to the root cause? Yes. Uh, the, 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 the sad aspect of our healthcare system today is that despite the fact that it is very, very expensive, despite the fact that we have heroic capabilities of being able to respond to various aspects of what we might consider medical emergencies, we do not have the ability to reverse disease once it has gotten beyond certain levels of causing damage. And in which of the major disease groups is this most true? I would say um, clearly anything related to coronary artery disease, heart attacks, uh, what we see now as consequences of heart attacks, congestive heart failure where people can't breathe very well because the, the body fills up with fluids and the lung uh, fills up with fluids, stroke, many, uh, many lung disease, what we call chronic pulmonary disease. These have developed over long periods of time. Uh, diabetes, the consequences of diabetes leading to blindness, loss of limbs, very painful effects of what we call neuropathies, where, where the peripheral nerves get damaged and are very, very painful. All of these are long-term manifestations of the disease. Another, of course, would be rheumatoid arthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis can progress to crippling arthritis over a period of months to years if we don't intervene early. That's what we would call a chronic disease. These account for 75% of healthcare expenditures. And the, the tragedy is that we're spending so much money dealing with problems that we might have short-term 
solutions to them. But think of how much better we could have dealt with them if we dealt with them very early in the onset of disease. So why is it that the mainstream medical model that most people interact with shows up so late to the party to the point where at best you can mask some symptoms but you're probably not going to effectively render a cure? I think that's one of the key questions that we need to solve if we're going to have major improvements in healthcare. The problems, the, some of the reasons are this. Individuals, patients, normal people have begun to believe or, uh, that the responsibility for their health care lies in the hands of their physician or who it is that's caring for them. We tend to think that when we're well, we don't have much of an obligation for our health, and if we get sick, the health care system will cure us. In addition to that, somebody else will pay for it. This is a delusion. Uh, actually, it may be reality uh, to a degree in terms of how peer, uh, people experience things. M many people don't pay for their own insurance. They do relegate their health to somebody else. And if a problem occurs, generally uh, somebody takes care of it. But what they don't realize is that if we are truly going to be preventing these long-term effects of chronic disease, where we build up disease over time, is that, number one, individuals need to take more responsibility for their health when they're well. In other words, early on, they need to take part of the responsibility. They cannot relegate it to the physician or the health system when things go bad. The old uh, AMCO transmission advertisement, pay me now or pay me later. Uh, do you uh, wait until your transmission is absolutely destroyed, or do you do the maintenance to keep it going? Healthcare planners have long foreseen sharply higher demand on our medical system in the near future. That's when the large cohort of Americans born in the couple of decades following World War II will reach old age. Recent battles over health care reform acknowledge this coming surge, but thus far our political system has not yielded the deep structural changes that will likely be needed. Dr. Ralph Snyderman. A very destructive aspect of health care, uh, which makes change very difficult, is how health care is paid for. It is very easy for a physician, uh, a surgeon, or a hospital to get reimbursed for removing the limb of a patient with diabetes who gets gangrene. Uh, the, the, the government insurance companies will pay for that in a moment. And by the way, what does a hospital get to remove a diabetic limb? Of, several tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, between the physician and the hospital, it'll be many fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars would be well in the lower end of the norm. But here's here's the incredible irony: if you had a physician who was really a good physician and uh, recognized very early on that you had a tendency to diabetes and did the tests and wanted to spend an hour counseling you as to how you could maintain your blood sugar and your diet 
so that 10 years later you did not lose your limb, that's barely reimbursed. So, I mean, the irony is tremendous that we are willing to pay for late-stage treatments, which certainly the the removal of a limb is not going to cure diabetes. And it's also a much more tragic outcome than changing diet. Absolutely. So you're advocating a shift in the role of the patient, a new model for what it means to be a patient in a healthcare system, or maybe we could even say not just what it means to be a patient in a healthcare system, what it means to be a person who's trying to protect their own yes. health. Yes. Can you describe what you see as the role of someone trying to protect their own health in a, a new, saner system? Yes. Um, a very important question. And um, there are a number of components to this. Well, one thing I would like to mention, which I find ironic now, and I hope uh, your listeners relate to this. I would say there's been a tremendous movement in this country over the last two or three years to understand the importance of the environment. And we hear more and more about a sustainable planet. And I see more and more television advertisements with oil companies and all the polluters saying, we are going green. Uh, Everybody is starting to talk about, let's be green to save the planet. I will start getting very excited when we start about talking about sustainable health. You know, when are we going to get, in quotes, green about ourselves? What should patients be doing that could result in better health outcomes for average people and reduced health costs yes. for the country? I think the most important thing, the most single important thing, is recognizing health as a value and as a resource. We need to understand what are those behaviors that support good health and what are those behaviors that minimize good health. So you break it down into things that most people could understand. Part of it will be diet. Um, An individual's diet, what what they take in, uh, their weight, uh, various other aspects of their nutrition is very important. So I would say that's, that's critical. Uh, moving towards a lower-fat diet or a low-fat diet. Uh, the other thing that is essential is increasing physical activity because uh, weight is very important, muscle mass is very important, particularly as we get older. One of the greatest protectors against adult diabetes is having more muscle mass. So I think diet and reasonable exercise. The third very important piece is stress, stress. It is very, very clear that anger is an important initiating factor of many, many diseases, particularly cardiovascular disease. And these are things that we could learn to do better, control what we eat, avoid things, avoid smoking, avoid abuse of alcohol or various other things, various risky, risky behaviors, increasing physical activity, uh, decreasing anger and stress, and there, there are ways that people have uh, devised to help people do this. And in, in, in general, understanding that sometimes a gentler approach to how one treats oneself 
being more compassionate with oneself could be so important with, uh, to an individual's health. Dr. Ralph Snyderman, former dean of the Duke University School of Medicine and now president of Proventus. Freudberg. Studio recording by Antonio Oliar. Editorial assistance from Thomas Royal. Webmaster Brian K. Johnson. Special thanks to Tony Buck. Our program is produced by Human Media in association with WGBH Boston. Program development provided by Shart Media. You can hear more episodes of our series at humankindpodcast.org. That's humankindpodcast.org. This segment, Practicing Prevention with Dr. Ralph Snyderman, is Humankind Program number 156. The executive producer is David Freudberg. Please subscribe to our free weekly podcast. The title is Humankind on Public Radio. You can find it at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, NPR One, and all major podcast services, as well as through our website. Again, the podcast title is Humankind on Public Radio. And if you'd like to support our program, please visit humankindpodcast.org. And at the top, click on How You Can Help. Thank you.